This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 123. And welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. Hello, this is Brett Hurst. And we're marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. Oh, boy. Well, today's episode is called Return of the Marriage Quotes. The marriage quotes, the yes. marriage quotes. Back in the day, some of our longtime listeners may remember that we used to do an episode every now and then where we just share quotes about marriage, sometimes from celebrities, sometimes from ordinary folk. And so I'm one of those geeky people who just kind of collects good quotes that I find interesting and then stick them in a folder. And then at some point we get to use them. So today's episode is mostly Esther Perel quotes. And Esther Perel, for those of you who don't know, is a best-selling author. She's a psychiatrist, works with couples and has for many, many years little controversial. Yeah. You know, I I don't necessarily agree with every single thing she says, but the great thing that she does is she puts vocabulary and words around things that you and I sometimes have trouble defining. And that's what I really, really like about her. So most of today's quotes are from Esther Perel, but I would just like to read them and have you react to them, Brett, and maybe our listeners will find something helpful. (laughs) In her quote or in my reaction? (laughs) Either one. So here's an Esther Perel quote, which she says, any person or system exposed to ceaseless novelty and change risks falling into chaos, but one that is too rigid or static ceases to grow and eventually dies. This never-ending dance between change and stability is like the anchor and the waves. What do you think about that? I think that's very profound, actually. You know, I think we benefit in marriage from both routine and Mm non-routine. You know, spontaneity has a compelling aspect to it. Mm -hmm. It certainly has injected a lot of pizzazz into our marriage. Yep. But routine is also... Comforting, build structure, kind of gets people attached to the whole idea of commitment. Yeah, it's funny when I think about uh, some of the couples that we've worked with two on two, I think there have been couples who've been too far on either side of this spectrum. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll hear couples who will say, we're just in a rut. You know, we don't do anything fun anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one side. But we'll actually hear from couples who will say, we've had too much change lately. We've, you know, some of it's even been good change, but it's too much. I just want to find some stability. And Mm -hmm. so I really resonate with this quote and this idea of, like you said, you need both things and too much of one side can make the relationship really sort of lopsided. Okay. So we're in agreement. Okay. So let's move on to another Esther Perel quote. She says, when you pick a partner, you pick a story 
and often you will be recruited for a play you did not audition for. <laughs> well, this is so true. Oh, are you my glad gosh. you signed up for what you signed up for, or did I, you have any idea you signed up for it? The thing is, when I was twenty years old and got married, I didn't know what the story was gonna. I, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't know if I even had like a template in my head of, mm-hmm. which is silly because I think we all have some level of expectation. But I mean, you talk about I just did not even know mm-hmm. anything. And, you know, I think that's a lot of Well, you know it now. (laughs) (laughs) Going on 34 years. uh, We're about to celebrate 34 years in a couple of months. Yeah, it's. I think that's a great thing. It's funny if I think if you were to try to share that quote or that idea with a young couple that's engaged, not married yet, mm-hmm. they might sort of go, "Well, yeah, I think I know what I'm getting into. I know this person really well." Da 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 da. But how can you know? Yeah, you just. I think what she's trying to say is there's just life that mm-hmm. happens that you don't anticipate, and so I thought that was a good good quote. Yeah. Okay. Here's totally another agree. Esther Perel quote. She says, for most couples who come to me, especially in the aftermath of the revelation of an affair, they're in a state of crisis and fear the loss of a predictable future. They start to have conversations for the first time about love, sex, monogamy, and marriage. Most couples don't negotiate or don't even converse about any of these things Mm -hmm. until the crisis of the affair has actually forced them to. Why does it take infidelity to get us talking about the stuff that should be there from the start? In other words, we're just not proactive on some of these, I'll say, realistic ideas. Not that this is going to apply to every marriage. Not every marriage is going to intersect with affairs of all kinds or mm-hmm. questions or you know those types of things. But these are conversations worth having. This is the kind of stuff we have tried to encourage, not just young couples, but first-time married couples of all ages uh, yeah. for decades now. Because we have ideas around these things money, sex, monogamy, the definition of what cheating is. Mm -hmm. You know, we tell our engaged couples when we teach our married life prep class, you need to talk about what you define as being unfaithful. Right. Because your partner may have a different definition. And we've learned that with couples. Yeah. You and I could define it for them, but Mm -hmm. how helpful is that going to be if they're not in agreement with it? For example, you know, someone may define infidelity as literally sleeping with another person, Mm -hmm. but their partner may define infidelity as looking at porn. Right. Or going to a strip club. Or a myriad of other Yeah. I mean, there's just a whole... And if you've never had that conversation and you make the assumption that your partner feels has the same definition that you do, Mm -hmm. boy, I mean, we've literally sat with couples who have been like, I didn't know she felt that way, or I didn't know he had that that definition of it, you know? Right. So I I think that's really, really important. And, And of course, hopefully we've been banging that drum for a long time to have the hard conversations long before crisis hits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another Esther Perel quote, she says, people cheat on each other in a hundred different ways. Hmm. Indifference, emotional neglect, contempt, lack of respect, years of refusal of intimacy. Mm-hmm. Cheating doesn't begin to describe the ways that people let each other down. Right. What do you think about that? Yeah. So whether people are taking responsibility for that cheating or not, or if we're talking in another sense about cheating on a person's concept of expectation, hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. One way or another, 
that letting each other down is inevitable. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to let each other down in marriage. Totally. Because we are, on some level, idealistic. Mm-hmm. And we're human beings. Right. <laughs> we're going to let each other down. And the capacity that we have to hurt each other... Is never-ending. Yeah, it's huge. Right. It's, it's really... Yeah, I think that's a really interesting way. I, I think about couples that who, you know, have a, a crisis of infidelity or unfaithfulness. And oftentimes when you back the truck up and talk about what their relationship was like before the affair, mm-hmm. a lot of times these kind of things were part of the relationship, mm-hmm. you know, just not caring for each other in the process. Not always. Mm-hmm. Sometimes affairs happen and, and they just come out of nowhere, right. you know, but often there has been a breaking down of that marriage relationship. Yeah, usually. Yeah. And so that's why when we are working with couples during affair recovery, we'll hear them say, well, we just want to go back to the way things were. And we say, actually, you don't want to go back there. Yeah. Because that was fertile ground for someone cheating, maybe. Let's go to a better place. Let's build something different. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's another one. She says, even a good marriage leaves people with longings for certain things their marriage will never be. So do they accept that, make compromises and say, well, you can't have everything in life, which is what we always did in the past. Or do they say, I deserve more. I want to experience that thing. And, you know, I have 50 more years to live than I used to. It's not necessarily that we have more desires today, but we do feel more entitled to pursue them. We live in a, quote, right to happiness culture. And yes, we do live half a century longer than we used to. What do you think she's getting at there? There's a lot of profound, a lot of profundity in this comment, particularly from someone that you say is not a Christian. Yeah, she's she's not. Right. And is very vocal about that. Right. But nevertheless, there's a lot of truth in what she's saying here. Yeah. I think the thing that jumps out at me first is her quoting culture saying, I deserve more. Mm-hmm. And that whole sense of entitlement thing. Mm-hmm. Well, where did we get that idea? Yeah. I mean, I know where we got that idea. <laughs> we got that idea back in the garden. <laughs> yeah. That I deserve more. Right. But the, her calling us a right to happiness culture. Right. That's an interesting idea. I don't know if before, say, the 20th century, that was necessarily the mm-hmm. main thought in right. life is, well, I deserve more. I have a right to happiness well, the thing's inverted. It's it's the whole consumer approach to marriage. Yeah. Assuming that the why marriage was created was for us to get the best deal. Mm-hmm. And that's not why marriage was created. It was created to teach us how to serve each other mm-hmm. and grow closer to God and care for one another, yeah. which is the opposite. Yeah. That's good. Okay, this next quote is a little bit lengthy, so I'm going to take it in paragraphs, and then we'll react to it. So this is return of the Esther Perel marriage quotes. (laughs) Are there any other marriage quotes? There's one at the very end that's not hers. Okay, throw me a curveball at the end. (laughs) Okay, she says, love enjoys knowing everything about you. Desire needs mystery. Okay, that's a very rich statement right Mm -hmm. there. Love likes to shrink the distance that exists between me and you while desire is energized by it. If intimacy grows through repetition and familiarity, eroticism is numbed by repetition. It thrives on the mysterious, the novel, and the unexpected. Love is about having. Desire is about wanting. 
An expression of longing, desire, requires ongoing elusiveness. It is less concerned with where it has already been than passionate about where it can still go. But too often, as couples settle into the comforts of love, they cease to fan the flame of desire. They forget that fire needs air. You know, I get what she's saying here and certainly, you know, can't deny that the mysterious aspect of fanning the flames of desire or whatever Mm -hmm. gets you out of a rut of familiarity and, Mm -hmm. you know, could be more erotic. But I think this is like one of the earlier quotes. I think it's... I think it's not always that way. I think sometimes familiarity mm-hmm. can be erotic as well. Yeah. I you know think... what I mean? Because it was designed to all be interconnected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what she's just the context of what she's describing here is the difference between familiar marital monogamous love over a long time mm-hmm. versus why someone has an affair. Right. No. And I get that. It's that's easy to understand that. Something different is intriguing, and yeah. our eyes are always easily captivated by. Right. And I'm intrigued next by what I don't know, and and all of these things, shiny objects, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think one of the things she said once that I've always remembered is that most people don't cheat because they find their affair partner better than their spouse. Let's mm-hmm. say prettier, more handsome, whatever. It's really who the the person who's cheating is they like who they have become in that affair. In mm-hmm. other words, not maybe not the cheating and the lying, but the part of the person who's aroused again and excited about life and, you know, all of the stuff that comes with eroticism. Mm-hmm. They're liking who they are, even if it's selfish. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of that is because we've fallen into the trap of being dull and bored and, you know, in a rut. And then the idea of, oh, I can be somebody different, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's in some ways, I think that might be helpful for someone who's been cheated on Uh to understand what's what's happening. Yeah, because you have a tendency that I think to think when you've been when someone has cheated on you, your first thought is, oh, they found someone better than me. Right. What's wrong? What's wrong with me? Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think the flip side of it is, though, think of the couples that we have worked with in affair recovery, and they're doing the hard work to move back towards each other. Mm -hmm. I think this works both ways. I think Mm -hmm. you know, in the making the marriage better than it was before, as you're coming back together after a a breach like that. You find that familiarity and commitment and what marriage is really all about is also sexually appealing. Yeah. You're not going to get there overnight necessarily. Mm -hmm. Well, it goes back to what we've always said. You know, what we really long for as human beings is to be fully known. It scares us, Mm -hmm. but we crave that. We Mm -hmm. want someone to know that the ins and outs of who we are and love and accept us Anyway, right. And that comes from a long, healthy marriage. Sure. Not chasing the next thing. But contrary to what the world would think, that what you just said Mm -hmm. can be sexually attractive. Certainly. 
Yeah. No, I get both sides of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she goes on to say, let me, let me go on to the next part of the quote. She says, so reconciling our need for security and our need for adventure into one relationship or what today we like to call a passionate marriage used to be a contradiction in terms. Marriage was an economic institution in which you were given a partnership for life in terms of children and social status and succession and companionship. But now we want our partner to still give us all of these things. But in addition, I want you to be my best friend, my trusted confidant, my passionate lover, and we live twice as long. So we come to one person and we basically are asking them to give us what once an entire village Mm -hmm. used to provide. Mm -hmm. She says, give me belonging, give me identity, continuity, but give me transcendence and mystery and awe. She says, give me comfort, but give me edge. Give me novelty, but give me familiarity. Give me predictability, but give me surprise. Is it any wonder that so many relationships crumble under the weight of it all? So she's saying that the weight of this in the past was provided by an entire village. I would go beyond that and say, can even an entire village (laughs) give you all of these things? Yeah. You know, this is just revealing the never ending wants of the human condition that can truly, in my opinion, only be satisfied by God. Right. I think there it's funny if culturally, you know, right now we're in a in 2021, we're in a place where the marriage rate has actually dropped a little bit, but so has the divorce rate. Mm. But the divorce rate has probably dropped because the marriage rate has dropped. There's kind of a vicious cycle there. But, you know, I think if you asked people about marriage in general, let's say in America in 2021, there would be a lot of people who would say, oh, marriage is passe. Marriage is old fashioned. You know, we don't need a piece of paper blah, blah, blah. And yet, at the same time, I think this idea of this huge expectation of what marriage Mm -hmm. should be, this new passionate marriage where it provides everything for Mm -hmm. you in one person. I agree with her. We're putting too much expectation and pressure. Right. On And so, so what happens is when we reach that inevitable place in our marriage where we go, oh, wow, they can't do this for me, then what we typically think is, I'll go find someone else who can. Right. And then we find out they can't do it either. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of truth to what she's saying here. No, and I, I agree. I like the way she is putting it because she's right. Modern marriage, there's a lot of pressure to be all things to each other, mm-hmm. and we just can't do it. Yeah. We've got to have other friendships. We've got to have other social outlets. You know, we've got to, I mean, you and I, from a faith perspective, feel like God's the only one who can fill that, you know, vacuum. But just in a mental health perspective, we need other people in our lives who give us support and give us friendship and accountability and all those things so that it doesn't all fall to one person. Well, like you said, she's really good at framing these things, Mm -hmm. naming these things, just putting those things into the conversation. Yeah. So we have one last quote. This is not by Esther Perel. This is by Tony Robbins. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He says, if you do what you did in the beginning of the relationship, there won't be an end. Well, (laughs) 
that depends on what you did in the beginning of the relationship. <laughs> the ironic thing is, I think Tony Robbins was divorced on a second marriage, but has been married for a long time to uh-huh. his second partner. So I find it that interesting. But so he probably said this during sure. his second marriage. You right. know? But I think that's an interesting idea because, Brett, you and I will hear from couples all the time who say, when we were first dating mm-hmm. or when we were first married, we laughed a lot or we were spontaneous or we did fun stuff together. And they assume that it's the external factors were different mm-hmm. when they were young or right. when they were first starting out. It wasn't the external factors. It was them. Mm-hmm. They were showing up to be better people. You mm-hmm. know, they were showing up and being like, oh, I got to keep this relationship fun. Let's go cycling or whatever you right. know, the couple enjoyed doing. Yeah. You and I always talk about intentionality and how important that is to mm-hmm. keeping the fires going in a marriage. But it's also that permission to enjoy one another too, Mm -hmm. you know, and just to have fun and not take things so seriously and Mm -hmm. just poke fun at one another. Well, yeah. Well, we had a good way. We talked with a couple just recently and and we were like, okay, y'all need to start going back on your dates and da 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 da. And they said to us, We've been talking about work and children and bills for so long. I'm not sure we would know what to talk Mm -hmm. about. People forget. Yeah. And we'll say, hey, get a stack of little conversation starter cards and take them with you to the coffee shop or the Mm -hmm. restaurant. Who cares if you need help getting started? Right. Because you'll end up having a great conversation if even if you need the help to get the starter going. Who doesn't need help? Exactly. Various times in your life. Well, did you like our episode? I did. Return of the marriage quotes. Very. It was not what I was expecting. I was expecting a bunch of zaniness and <laughs> quotes from Zsa Zsa Gabor and Phyllis Diller and all the ones we used Phyllis to. Phyllis Diller, that's a dated <laughs> quote. Okay, well, if you would like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. Also, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I'd like to give a special thank you to Podcast Rocket for producing this episode. Well, thanks so much for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage healthy world. God bless y'all.